Well, good morning once again. How's everybody doing? I haven't had the opportunity to talk to you uh, since Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving meal? Was it awesome? Yes. All right, good. There's a few of you. So, so I hope that it was a really enjoyable experience. I hope that you had delicious food. I hope that everything about the day was spectacular. But I want to remind you that it wasn't the food, right? That the food was good. Raise your hand if the food was really, really good. All right? And if you're sitting next to your wife, your mother-in-law, don't raise your hand if the food wasn't so good. Okay? So, so that day, everything that goes into that day is all actually built around family being together and the experience that comes with that and all of the pieces that, that go together for that. And, and why do you love those days and why do you love that time? Well, because those people matter to you. And you want to be together and you want to share the time, the good and the bad, the ugly, like there's difficult dinner conversations sometimes, all of that kind of rolled up into one. That's what Thanksgiving happens to be about. But it's really the relationship that will make it magnificent. So what's your Christmas going to be like? What's your Christmas going to be like? What are you looking towards the next month and the next things that have to do? Again, if you're thinking through the process of it, if you're starting from A to Z of what you're going to go through this month, really when it comes down to it, you are thinking through the different relationships that you are a part of, the different things that you are doing, the plans that you are making. Maybe you're thinking about your Christmas Eve or Christmas Day meal, but you're really thinking about the people who are going to be sharing that meal with you. If not, maybe you're missing some of the point. Why is it? Because those people matter to you. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping altogether? You're done and you want to raise your hand because you're proud of it. All right, I knew there's a couple of you. <laughs> because the people who are done right now want everybody to know that they are done right now. And the rest of us are bringing up the rear. But they've picked out gifts and you're going to pick out gifts for the people that matter. And you're going to go through that process and you're going to pick, is this one the best gift or is this one the best gift? You're going to kind of go back and forth with that because why? You want to have a great gift for the person that you're shopping for. So if Christmas is going to be incredible for you this year, if this is going to be a good Christmas rather than an impossibly bad Christmas, really a lot of it has to do with you. A lot of it has to do with your perspective, your understanding of, of the way you're going to look at things because difficult situations are going to come up. Hard things are going to happen. But really, as I talked earlier about those three relationships that matter, that relationship with God upward, that relationship with your family, your friends, your community inward, and then relationship outward with those who are far from Christ or those who you don't know really well, those relationships all kind of tie together this time of year. But we have to start with the first one. We have to start with Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is what Christmas is all about. And so as we begin this season of Advent, as we begin this season of expectation, of, of looking forward to what this season has to have and what, what's going to happen this month and all the things that we get to celebrate, all of that that comes together, all of that is all kind of wrapped up in this person, Jesus. So as that intro video showed, if you're decorating your house, if you're, you're bringing the pieces together, you've got the lights on the outside, and now you're kind of start to tackle the inside, all that preparation is part of this season. And we're going to do the same thing here. Uh, you're being intentional about that at home. We're doing the same thing here as a church. We're going to be intentional about helping you and I to focus our attention on Jesus. 
during this time. And so we're beginning a sermon series called Tis the Season. And so this sermon series called Tis the Season, it talks about when Jesus was born and how everything changed at that point. What was previously unknown, what no one had any idea of, now was known. Uh, the, the message translation in, in the beginning of, of John talks about uh, Jesus is God himself moving into our neighborhood. That's what happens at Christmas. What was previously known is now known. The all-powerful, all-knowing, always present but seemingly distant God had now suddenly become personal. And as a flesh and blood, we now can speak of Jesus as someone who people could tangibly talk to and see and interact with. And he came to this earth to show us the way. And so there's only one appropriate response for us, and that is worship. So tis the season, the big idea for worship. Tis the season for worship. And this is how we begin our series together today. Tis that season not for Christmas, but the season is really all about Christ. So here's where we're going to start this morning. You may not have expected this, and you may not know this book real well, but we're going to go to the book of Zephaniah. The book of Zephaniah. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, it's an Old Testament book. If you start at the New Testament break and hang a left, it's probably the fastest way you're going to find it. It's only a few pages, and so uh, it's, it's easy to just kind of blow by it when you go back and forth. It'll be in the New International Translation this morning. There's a Black Pew Bible in front of you, and on that Bible it is on page 984, if you're having trouble finding your way there. 984, the book of Zephaniah. Now, in this book of Zephaniah, we will read about Christmas. Imagine that. So if you're there, would you stand with me? I'm going to read a few verses from Zephaniah chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Beginning in verse 14, it says this. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Dear Lord, we come to your presence this morning. We open your word this morning. We, we trust that you will speak to us in a very personal way. As we begin this Advent series, this longing for the Christ child to come, Lord, let our hearts be longing for your return in the same manner. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So who is Zephaniah? Who is Zephaniah? He is a prophet who lived before Nehemiah. We just finished the Nehemiah series. We covered uh, the book of Nehemiah where he's rebuilding the walls. Well, during Zephaniah's time frame, he is actually talking. He's the precursor to the walls being broken down. And so Zephaniah is, is looking forward to what is going to be a very difficult time for the people of Judah and Israel. And he is uh, foreshadowing that, that Babylon is going to come in and overthrow everything that they know. And so he is talking about that, that then a generation later, the sermon series that we just came out of, Nehemiah, and the rebuilding of the walls, and again, there's this longing for what is to come, and that is still the Messiah who must come and truly restore God's people. 
And so as we look at this book of Zephaniah, it starts with a character named Josiah. So Josiah is the king who is, he was an eight-year-old when he becomes king, and he is now ruling and reigning. He is one of the only kings that we find in the Old Testament who says, we will serve the Lord. And he goes through and he cleans house. He says, we will remove all of the idols in Israel. We will remove them all. Jerusalem will be a holy place once again. He has a zero-tolerance policy for idol worship and for sin. He is going to eradicate all of that in the kingdom. And as we are there reading through Zephaniah in the beginning in chapter 1 and chapter 2, because again, it's only a couple of pages, but chapter 1, chapter 2 talks about this foreshadowing to say it's still all going to come crumbling down. And Josiah, even as a strong man of God and as a great leader and as a great king, his own pride is really what led to his own tragic death on the battlefield against Babylon. Zephaniah opens up the book and he uses kind of a reverse way of looking at Genesis chapter 1 and how God put all the world and created it all with order and beauty. And he kind of goes back through and he reverse engineers it to say what was made beautiful and perfect and holy is now going to become ugly, imperfect, and destructive. And the world that he is describing in these chapters is very violent and very, it's, it's an awful place to live. And this is what he is describing that is coming for his people. And in many ways, we look at the world around us and say, this isn't the way that God created things. This is not the way that the world is supposed to look. And I see things crumbling. I see people at war with one another and impressively getting worse and worse and worse. The words of Zephaniah ring true with us today. Why? Because all of these people will fall before Babylon. Even the religious rulers will defect. They will become part of the process. They will, they will become part of, of the money laundry scheme that is happening in Jerusalem. They become part of it. But God's presence is still there. And so we'll read in this book in a few verses. We're just only taking a small snapshot today because we want to be able to see the bigger picture of where it's going. But there's going to be a remnant in Jerusalem. That's what Zephaniah tells them. Men and women of God who will not defect, who will hold strong and trust that God will be their protector. God will be their warrior. God will provide for their needs. And it is in those people the verses that we just read, that we will sing together. We will shout and rejoice and worship together. So if you've got, there's a white sheet of paper. It's my outline this morning of where I'll be going with the message. It was in your bulletin. If you you pull that out and look at it, the first thing I want to say this morning is this. This is a season for singing, but sometimes you don't feel like singing. So what do you do in these times? What do you do when life overwhelms you? Uh, about four or five years old, I'm not sure, somewhere in that range. Next week, if you're going to be here, we have an exciting week where we bring all the kids in and we do, uh, oh, that's two weeks. I got ahead of myself. That's in two weeks. If you come next week, we'll still be here. We'd like to see you. But in two weeks, we have the kids up and they do a kid's performance and they sing Christmas songs and they dress up and they come crawling across the stage as little sheep and goats. And we did have a giraffe one year. I'm not really sure why. Was it a giraffe? No, it was a kangaroo. Molly, was it your? I can't remember what. Mia Mia was dressed up as some type of animal that wasn't part of whatever it was. Okay. (laughs) So everybody gets dressed and they come and they sing in front of everyone. Well, go back a number of years. My sister is, is almost 
two years younger than I am. And the two of us, my dad loved to parade up in front of the church and we would sing songs. We had good voices and we would sing in front of the church. And so we're standing there. I remember very clearly it being Christmas season and, and we were singing a song. I believe it, we were the angels and we were singing Gloria or something along those lines. And I started singing. The piano started and I started singing and my younger sister didn't sing. She wouldn't sing. She didn't feel like singing. And so I did what any older brother would do in the situation. I took her and pushed her off of the stage. <laughs> I mean, it was like there's not room enough in the spotlight for both of us. And so you are no longer allowed here. And I, I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but I do remember being embarrassed because I was in a side room. This is the way I was raised. I was in a side room at the church getting my butt whooped, and I'm sure that the rest of the congregation could hear what was going on in that room. She didn't feel like singing. Now, I don't know why she didn't feel like singing. I don't know what was going on. Ironically, my sister has grown up to uh, be a vocal pedagogy major and an opera singer in St. Louis. And like, so she is legit, but she didn't want to sing that day. So I threw her off the stage. This Christmas season, what if, maybe you're hearing Christmas carols and you're just not the first person to jump in and say, yeah, let me sing. Maybe your heart isn't ready for that. Maybe you're going through something right now that is overwhelming. What do you do in those times? What do you do? Well, here we go. I'm glad you asked. Here's your first fill-in for you this morning. Joy is trusting when you want to doubt. Joy is trusting when you want to doubt. Back in Zephaniah chapter 3, if you go back a few verses... In verse 2, speaking of Jerusalem, it says this, She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not what? Circle it. Trust in the Lord. She does not do what? Draw near to her God. She doesn't trust God. And you go to verse 5, and it says, The Lord within her is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning, he dispenses his justice. And every new day, he does not fail. And yet, she won't trust him. She won't trust him. See, joy is trusting when you don't want, excuse me, joy is trusting when you want to doubt. In the New Testament, in the Christmas narrative, we, we find Mary, and she is this, the Virgin Mary, and, and what happens is this angel comes and tells her that she is going to have a baby, and the conception is through the Holy Spirit inside of her. Now she's the Messiah. And what is her response? It's trusting when you want to doubt. She's trusting that this angel, this, this moment that is happening is real. And her response is, I will be your servant, Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. You see, as Christ followers, we aren't pressured to do it all for everyone. We don't have to have everything figured out and have it all set. We trust that Jesus works in us. And he will be the author and finisher of our faith. Joy is trusting when you want to doubt. Every opportunity that I have, I like to share with you stories that I uh, retrieve from watching America's Funniest Home Videos. One of my favorite little clips, it's one of those montages where it's just uh, 
one after another after another of people falling, you know, kids tripping, falling, whatever, just like fall, 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 fall. And I'm in tears by the end of it. But, but this particular version of it was don't be the second guy. And so it, was, it shows one guy jumps over a whole stack of chairs, and then the second guy runs and jumps, and he catches his toe, and he stumbles, and he falls over the stack of chairs. And he goes through two or three of these things. But the one that sticks out to me in my memory is a, a man backpacking in the woods with his children, and he has, uh, his kids are up on a large rock around the corner of him, and he turns and he says, jump, jump, jump. And the first kid jumps off of the rock into his arms and he catches him and gives him the big hug and he turns and starts walking not thinking about the fact that the other kid is up there on the rock and so what does that kid do he also jumps and dad is he's already up the trail and he just swan dives into the dirt so sad isn't it as I that's what this show is built on people Falling, hitting their face in the dirt, this poor little kid. When we're trusting God, you see in verse 5, it says, The Lord with her, he does no wrong. Morning by morning he dispenses, and every new day he does not fail. And for some reason, we get it in our minds that if we jump, if we take that risk, if we trust God to do the impossible, Mary is trusting God to do the absolute impossible. And we're saying, well, but you might turn and walk away. And we start to doubt and we start to fear. But joy comes. Joy comes when we are able to trust, even though we still want to doubt. Not because it's our own strength and because we can just hold on to it, but because of who Jesus is. And we are trusting that he will continue to be consistent and faithful and holy day after day after day. Joy is trusting when you want to doubt. Second fill-in, joy is accepting what you want to reject. Joy is accepting what you want to reject. Some of you will begin, maybe you've already begun, but some of you will, will get a new YMCA membership within the next few days. Some of you are going to start the new year and you're going to really attack it and you're going to do some really great things in the coming year. And so uh, if you're like me, I prefer to go to like a spin class. And so you go to a spin class and the room is all set up and, and there's all these different bikes and your job is just to listen to the instructor who's up front and you just start pedaling. You got sweat running down your face and they tell you to drink water and you drink all your water and then you still have to go and you don't have any water left and you don't know what to do because if you run out to the bathroom to get more water and then come back in, everybody's going to know that you're a quitter. Accepting what you want to reject is really what comes down to any training regiment. I don't like what I'm going through right now, but I'm accepting it. Even though I want to reject it, it would be much easier for me not to get up this morning. It would be much easier for me to eat the whole spread on the table in front of me. It would be much easier, and you can fill in the blank however you want. And when we look at uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9 says, Then I will purify the lips of the people. Circle that word purify. Underline it. Box it. This is Jesus. This is God talking. I will purify the lips of the people, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and will serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, that's a long ways away, my worshipers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. He's painting a picture for what worship will look like someday after total decimation 
Worship will once again be beautiful. But first, he would have to purify them. And we don't want to accept, and they don't want to accept what purification actually looks like. The purification process for gold or silver is, is fire. It's burning and melting away all that is impure. And what is left is pure gold, pure silver, this, this beautiful thing. But all the impurities have to be taken away. And God here is saying, will you accept what you want to reject? The purification process is not a simple one. But when you go through it, this is the beautiful sight. In every direction beyond the rivers of Cush, the farthest distance away that you can imagine, the worshipers will come and they will be my scattered people will be coming back and there will be a time of worship and offer sacrifice once again. This is what is out there. This is the beautiful thing that is available to you if you accept the purification process. If you think of the Christmas narrative once again, can you imagine the innkeeper and how it would have been for him to say to Mary and Joseph, I've got all my rooms full here at the inn and the stable, I can't just give that to you, I should rent that to you, <laughs> right? Because, because this is a time of bit. There's people everywhere you look. This is a business proposition. He can make a lot of money on this. And what if God is working in his heart to accept what he wants to reject? He wants to either reject this couple and push them away altogether, or he wants to make them make a payment because he's got them to a rock and a hard place, doesn't he? But instead, maybe God is working on him to be a hospitable person to extend himself in a way that he's never done so before, to be giving and, and rather than always receiving and taking. How hard was it for him to offer this? How hard is it for you and for me to give away? How hard is it for you and for me to accept the difficult, knowing that we want to reject it, want to push it away, and yet it could be the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful moment in all of history happens in his stable. Was he going to accept what he wanted to reject? Thirdly, joy is celebrating when you want to fear. Joy is celebrating when you want to fear. Let me take you again back to verse 14. We read this, we stood and read this together, but I want you to hear it again. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He's turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior is here to save. Joy is celebrating when you want to fear. In all of Scripture, when we see an angel speaking to a human, what is the first thing that we always hear them say? Do not fear. It's like their standard protocol. It's like every divine encounter must start with do not fear. You can almost see Jesus uh, meeting with the angels off to the side, give them the huddle before they go and they speak to someone and saying, make sure that you lead with this. This is your standard protocols. Lead with do not fear because they won't hear any of the other things that you have to say. And the angels say in unison, okay, do not fear. Fear not. Do not fear. Okay, I got it. 
Joy is celebrating when you want to fear. Many of you have been very gracious in giving us assistance and helping us as a family. Many, all of you have been praying for us as a family as we, well, we've been walking through that our daughter, our second, uh, she's 11 years old, is in Baltimore, Maryland right now. She's going through uh, treatment um, and, and, and she's improving, friends. Prayer is working. This week, I think I notated in our article this week, of she, she's gone from the inpatient side of things and now she's beginning the outpatient side. So Tuesday night, uh, she had the, the first night that she got to sleep uh, in a bed in a house instead of in a hospital for almost like 70 days or something like that. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And so she's beginning that process. All week long, she's been sleeping at home. And then uh, this weekend, she's had a few more hours off. And then next week, there'll be a couple of days that she has time off. Like she's beginning to process away from where she was at. Like she's getting healthier. She's celebrating. We need to celebrate the fact that she's getting better. Yes? But to be totally honest with you, we are afraid. We're afraid that we're going to go two or three or four or five steps further and suddenly everything's going to come crashing down. But joy, joy is celebrating even when you're afraid. Joy is celebrating and being excited for the things that we see God moving and working in, even if it is terrifying. And so thank you for celebrating with us. And I will do my very best, and you can slap me upside the head if you say, you're supposed to be celebrating. So as we look at these verses, as we enter this season, if, if, if fear is what is holding you, like if, if this idea of this is a time for singing and celebrating, and I'm telling you here from the stage, and you're saying that's nice for you and for your story, but my situation, I just can't seem to get there. I just can't seem to find joy. Now, you understand the difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness is circumstantial. I watch it with my kids all the time. Give them a piece of candy and they're happy. Give them broccoli. I've got one who actually loves broccoli. But most of the time, not so happy. Happiness is circumstantial. It's, it's the environment can control that, can help that. You can, you can have artificial happiness, if you will. But joy comes from somewhere else. Joy comes even in the midst of all of those trials. So if you are having trouble finding joy as we enter this season, let me give you some advice perhaps. Think about it this way. Pay attention to your feelings and your emotions. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you. It could be symptoms of something larger and something more significant when it comes to a longing. It's like a homesickness that's inside of you. And home is a place where you're supposed to belong. Home is a place where you're supposed to be, uh, feel safe. It's a place where you're supposed to be able to prevail and win out over what's against you. And it turns out that our longing, the spiritual longing that's inside of us for something more will never be satisfied here on the earth. And the song is never going to just happen naturally and easily. 
we went to our, our village uh, Christmas tree lighting ceremony. Some of you have gone to some already. Maybe there's still more to come. Uh, it, it, it's just a really neat thing to kind of be there in the community with people and singing songs and we lit candles and different things like that. But no different probably than your community. There was, there was no description or words or anything that said anything about Christ as part of this holiday celebration. And I don't know if that speaks, I don't really think that that speaks to New York State or to Buffalo as a city that makes it so awful. It just makes us wonder if we're longing for something that is actually never going to be found here on this earth. That longing for Christ to be the center of Christmas or for, for that's not going to happen. And that longing is always going to be inside of us. Why? Because it is still to come. Zephaniah 3.20 says, At that time I will gather you. At that time I will do what? I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth. And I restore your status right before your very eyes. What God has planned for glory is beyond anything we can ever imagine. This week, we have brothers and sisters who have been called home to glory. Christ is the center of Christmas there, let me tell you what. And it is a beautiful thing. It is the blessed hope that we have that drives us forward. He is the one who will make all things new. And until then, there's going to be something that's just not quite right. And yet we find joy in this life right now, knowing that one day all things will be new, all things will be reconciled, all things will be restored. Through who? Jesus Christ. Christianity is a religion of joy. It is truly glad tidings for all humanity. Tis the season for rejoicing. Let us sing out. The message is clear. God is not looking for ways to scare us into faith. Zephaniah's words were not there to be able to make them terrified of what was to come. No, it was there to show them that through it all, God would be with them and with you and with me. We are not to be worried about any crossing over we have from this world to the next. Why? Because he has united those two things together. He has made a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants you to know that he is going to take care of you and your loved ones no matter what because he loved them way more than you ever could. And he gave this tremendous gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. One of the names he was called long before he ever stepped onto this planet, into this world, was Emmanuel, God with us. Advent speaks those words again and again. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. And no matter what we go through, we whisper this simple truth, Jesus And that's where you find joy. It's an old acronym, right? Jesus, others, you. That's where you find joy. Put Jesus first. Put others second. And then maybe you can spend some time thinking about yourself. 
but that's where you find joy. No matter what you're going through, He is with you in your greatest victories. He is with you in the most humiliating moments possible. Jesus is with you in all of these things, and that is where we find joy. Joy is trusting when you want to doubt. Joy is accepting what you really want to reject. And joy is celebrating when you really want to fear. Luke chapter 2, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I am with you. I bring you great tidings, good tidings of great joy. It should be to all people. And so we celebrate and we find joy. I pray that you would find joy this morning. Communion attendees, if you'll come forward, ironically, this morning we come to the communion table and one of the greatest ways to celebrate the joy of Christmas is to celebrate the death of our Savior. And so as we come to the table, this Lord's Supper is a reminder. It's not just a sipping of a cup and grape juice. It's not just eating of a cracker. But no, we're going to be able to celebrate the one who died on the cross for your sins and for mine and, and was born in a manger. All of that comes together for us to really get our heads around what the God of the universe has done for you and for me. And so it is appropriate for us. We've got more to come this morning. We've got things that we're going to celebrate, things we're going to talk about, the vision of the future here. But we, as a family here this morning, we just gather together and say, you know what, let's share a meal. Let's be reminded what this is all about. That that little baby who was born in a manger was one day going to go to the cross. When he went to the cross, he would pay for every sin that you and I would commit. And we trust him in that. And we trust that when we leap, he will catch us. We trust that when we are doubting and worried and concerned, that we can celebrate because he is the one who drives all fear away.